Today's guests are Claire Altendahl and India Shore, who not long after meeting down the road at Berklee College of Music, created The Blue, a genre-blending project with the intention of providing a new sound that also brings back the vintage charm of their musical idols. Binded by, or better yet, inspired by closely timed romantic changes in their lives, Claire and India created a beautiful, raw first project, Incarnation, which we discuss in depth along with upcoming releases and their post-grad ambitions. The featured beer of this episode is Narragansett Lager, or however we could pronounce the long-time New England classic throughout the pod. Thank you for your support, and welcome to Through the Draft Line. Hello, everyone. We are here with the lovely Claire in India, otherwise known as The Blue. Hello. Hello. <laughs> uh, we're so happy to have you two here. Thank you for joining us yeah, today. Happy to be here. And uh, we are going to be, as always, sampling a fun assortment of beers, talking about the Boston music scene, about the blues music, about these two ladies' um, influences and history and how they got to where they are today, both uh, collectively as a project, as well as your individual inspirations uh, and, and, you know, why you make music. Uh, and the first Matt, thing... can I tell you that I'm so thirsty right now. I'm ready for this beer. <laughs> oh, ready for the beer? <laughs> Let's jump in. I, I'm ready for beer as well, so... <laughs> God damn it. Today's beer is none other than Narragansett. India, say it. Narragansett. Hey! Oh, Otherwise shit. known as... Gnarsenot. <laughs> uh, JD, tell us about Gnarsenot. Uh, so Gnarsenot um, was founded back in back in the 1800s, a long time ago. Uh, 1890 was the very first Gnarsenot beer. Um, I'm sorry, Narragansett people. Um, but yeah, it was founded in Rhode Island in, um, yeah, the first beer was uh, in, in 1890, 1890, I believe, yeah. Yeah. Um, was sold many actually sold, bought and sold many different times. And then after that um, was kind of defunct for a while. And then back in 2005, um, this group of private equity investors, they ended up uh, deciding to go back in by the Narragansett name and start brewing again. And they started in, um, in 2005 and now they're the fifth largest brewery in New England, which is pretty crazy. Um, That's amazing. Yeah, in my four, fourteen year time span, which is and despite insane. my desire to know as much about beer as you do, JD, um, until just a few minutes ago, I thoroughly believed that Narragansett was not a craft beer. No, so you're it, telling me that as of that beer. acquisition in the 2000s, it is considered a craft beer. Uh, yep, it, it's always you know it's always been considered a craft beer because it's oh. always been like privately owned. And then was sold to like different private companies, but it was never a part of the big beer. I'm um, glad I can pass your test. <laughs> for those for those that listened to our Lagunitas IPA and Fajus episode, we know that that was the first time JD had had a non-craft beer in 
in many, many years. Two. Over <laughs> two, yeah, over two years. Yeah, and yes. So now in this delicious Gansett Lager, we can continue that streak. I can, we can continue the streak. And we also want to give uh, a shout out to Claire here, who uh, is going to be downing an entire two liter of Dr. Pepper. Yes. Uh, the real entire two. three liter of Dr. I Pepper. I thought it was a three liter, and no. I was very disappointed in myself. I was so excited to see it. <laughs> it was a two liter. I know. I disappointed the whole room. I, I just hope like... I have enough to drink here, you know? <laughs> oh. Two liters, not enough. No, never enough. Um, so I have my Dr. Pepper story being from Texas to where oh. I... Is Dr. Used... Pepper from Texas? It is from Texas, from Waco, Texas. Wow. Yeah. Um, so I was, I was grown, I was, I was grown. I was raised <laughs> I was grown. in the middle I was of nowhere planted. in Texas. <laughs> I know. Growing on a farm. I was growing on a farm. <laughs> God, I need this beer. Right now. Um, but yes, yeah, so I was raised in the middle of nowhere, but we had a Sonic in our town, oh, which was yeah. like 20 miles away from, um, where I grew up and I would go and get two route 44 Dr. Peppers a day and <laughs> two, two. And then would drink multiple cans throughout the day. And now I cannot drink. Yeah. <laughs> Cut I mean, myself off. To be honest with you, I'm, I was never much of a soda drinker, but yeah. I always did drink Dr. Pepper. I it's think a tasty beverage. Yeah, I just think it's <laughs> underrated. I think oh, it's I the best it. one. Yeah, it's so if, good. if you're talking the, the traditional cola, you know, you're not getting into the, the lime or, or anything. Yeah. Like, what is Mountain Dew? Also? No one wants to know. Like, what's, I don't know what's in that, but I also <laughs> don't want to like, know what's in that. Yes. It's like a Sprite, but just it's really, like, really like, intense. It's like the beverage equivalent to the slime in Nickelodeon. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Because no, exactly right. everyone wants to watch the shows with the slime, and it's disgusting, but you're like, this is funny. This is yeah. great. Yeah. And isn't like the caffeine level just like way hopped up higher than any other? Hopped soap? up. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Hopped up. Yeah. I have the most specific memory of Mountain Dew. I was a gymnast for like 11 years, a competitive gymnast, and I had a coach who would buy Mountain Dew by the liter and drink it all practice and just like get more and more worked up as the day went by downing this Mountain Dew. And I was always like, this is the most horrible thing I've ever seen. (laughs) This is so bad. (laughs) I hope you are okay. (laughs) Should we pop these and learn about the blue? I think think we should pop them open. All All right, right. let's do it. There you go. All right, everyone. (laughs) Not shotgun. Cheers. Cheers. Salute. Cheers. Mm. Cheers! I just took a sip. Yeah, (laughs) it's refreshing. It's good stuff. That's Garn. What is it? Ganarsana. Ganarsana. That's a that's a Ganarsana if I ever tasted one. The best Ganarsana I've ever had in my life. (laughs) You know, and I appreciate that the can says "Made on." Oh, I thought it said "Made of Honor" for a second. Made of Honor. Made of Honor. (laughs) But like, but like, composed of the concept of honor. Mm. Not you're my maid of honor. I mean, JD, you can be my maid of honor if you want. But like, uh, I would gladly be your maid of honor. <laughs> it's made on honor, sold on, on- merit. Hmm. Yes. Mm. Made of honor. Yes. <laughs> and it's friendly because it, I mean, it's already calling you its neighbor. It's high neighbor mm. on the side as well. Yeah. I've always wondered what, what that was about. High neighbor. Why they, they just love the neighbor yeah, Or thing. why I mean, the high neighbor is always up. It's a friendly beer. It is a friendly Ooh. beer. It's a nice little slogan. It's a friendly beer, and if if I had to guess, you know, a brewery that starts in the 1800s, you know, this like high neighbor, especially with this font, sounds like it could have been like a 
really old print ad or something. Yeah. Right. You know, right. like I could I could see that in an old old newspaper up on a big billboard or yeah. like, you know, stamped on a brick wall. You guys, you got, well, have you guys ever been to like um, the lower street sections in Seaport where mm-hmm. they still have some of the oh. old like brick stamped like painted advertisements like they're really worn down but you can see that you can see them there yeah Yeah. you can like you can make out some of it it's like that was one of the first things i noticed when i walked around like the seaport because obviously it's such a right new area yeah it's totally new but i guess those buildings are sort of the older ones (laughs) yeah next time you walk through seaport maybe we can find an narragansett one yeah (laughs) that'd be really fun so what uh what notes are you tasting in this jd um, I'm tasting, uh, I really don't, I'm sorry, Narragansett, but this is not my favorite thing in the world. <laughs> <laughs> the previous beers, uh, we could really dive into the hot profile. Yes. Um, I don't know what I'm tasting. I'm tasting a pitcher from the silhouette down the street. Yeah. Pretty much. Cause the I only mean, time I go to silhouette or every time I go, I get Narragansett. So I just, I'm tasting a place right now. Which is, I mean, it's a good thing that it brings you back there. I mean, I hope you have happy memories around this. I have great memories in Silhouette. Anyone's welcome to join me. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's your basic lager. Um, And they do, I mean, you can get this lager and support craft beer and not have to buy your your Coors, your Budweiser, your et cetera, et cetera, you know, Um, which is a great thing. I mean, I think that's a good point because when you think about it, you know, there are plenty of beer drinkers that want to support craft beer, but maybe they don't like IPAs or they don't like stouts or really heavy beers. And maybe they don't even realize that this is a way that you could still do that. Right. Definitely. And this is like actually a good beer as far as like if you if you cook and you like to use beer in your cooking, this is a good, mm. yeah, a good thing to throw in there. Have, have you ever cooked with beer? I have. Yeah. What, what sort of things have you like a beer battered, like fish and chips sort of thing or something like that or just throwing it into like some sort of stew or chili or something like that. Isn't yeah. there a beer bread? There is beer bread. Yeah. yeah you I think can I've had throw that it in bread. All sorts of things. You know, I, I we should stop the podcast and just go start, <laughs> start go, down, go downstairs and start a cooking show instead. Yes. Beer cooking show. Beer cooking show. Done. Next up. I would watch that. I mean, yeah. yeah. That'd be great. Big things coming. <laughs> Big things are coming. And I think we should pivot to the blue this lovely band sitting next to us. So um, yet again, thank you so much for coming to speak Thanks with us. Thanks for having us. Uh, and to taste Narragansett and other beers later and Dr. Pepper. Um, <laughs> so, you know, what we want to do today is is sort of open up a dialogue and a conversation about, again, your music, your influences, your experience in the Boston music scene and mm-hmm. beyond. Um, and really sort of, you know, what JD and I are always trying to do is to get into the topics of your influences and your mm-hmm. history as musicians that perhaps we couldn't do if we went out to your show and, mm-hmm. you know, grabbed 10 seconds from you at the merch table <laughs> to say, Hey, great set. But you, mm-hmm. you can't really talk about these things. I, I can't ask you, you know, where the inspiration is behind this lyric in July or where the EP name carnation comes from. So mm-hmm. that's what we want to do today. Mm-hmm. And so as a quick intro, uh, the two of you, met uh, your freshman year at Berkeley College of Music, where you still study, mm-hmm. uh, which 2016, correct? That was when you met? Yeah. Uh, fall 2015, right? Oh, Ooh, yeah, that's yeah. Right. actually. <laughs> that's it. I'm not right. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so been a, ha, the, the project has been going on for a few years now. Mm-hmm. Um, your genre is self-proclaimed 
alt blues, but also so much more. Oh, no. And I would love to know what the so much more is. So much so more. Could you just quickly sort of dive into maybe how you two met? Um, if you have a fun story or, or, you know, it we can be an irrelevant story, like of something else you were doing, not even music. Uh, and then sort of dive into where your sound has come from and, mm-hmm. and your musical journey to this point. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So we met, I don't know how we met exactly. My roommate was a friend of Claire's. Um, and I really wanted to audition for this show at Berkeley called Storytellers and it was a bunch of songwriters who would get together and write these songs um, and they're supposed to convey storytelling and (laughs) (laughs) so I was like I need a guitarist so I ended up finding Claire um, and kind of we met in this tiny little practice room and had like just got along so well right off the bat <laughs> well it was well, funny actually I was I, was I think really I was late though I was <laughs> scared of India too because uh India was from Brooklyn and I, don't I, think I, I pictured this, Brooklyn <laughs> kids as like really scary and tough she and like frightening I was like maybe she's gonna <laughs> mug me I don't know you know like, <laughs> um but and we, Claire, you're, you're from the Midwest yeah I'm from uh St. Paul Minnesota oh. so like I had never been to New York at that time it, it was like a fictional place in my mind um, a fictional place of scary India. Of scary everywhere. India. <laughs> but, like, India's the nicest person. So. <laughs> but at this point, I had, like, bleached blonde hair, and I had shaved a quarter of my head. <laughs> like, I was in such a phase, and I was like, hey, Claire, what's up? Like, <laughs> And I had heard stories about, like, India giving herself tattoos and all this stuff. and Like, like in her tattoos. dorm room bathroom, no I was way. like, oh, my God, who is? I, like, didn't even know you could do that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so... Uh, met her in this practice room and um she was like oh I can show you the song I wrote and so I grabbed my guitar she's like you got a capo and I didn't at the time so she like pulls out her hair band attaches a pencil and like starts oh, yeah. playing but That's she only had yeah. <laughs> she only trick. had a uh, one chord for the whole like, song so this is what I got for you so far <laughs> here's one chord but this is my song so <laughs> I think that's when we started writing right there because I was like oh I don't I don't know what we, we do now do this, so. <laughs> but anyway we did this audition and um we, we didn't, didn't get, get it. it. <laughs> <laughs> we just did not. They were just like, no, sorry. But they did say you guys should keep writing together. Like you have a good thing going. So we started meeting up like a few times a week. Um, and we weren't really friends at all. So like, we just got like met up in practice rooms, worked on music. We're like, well, see ya. Like that was <laughs> see it. around said hi to each other on the street. <laughs> <laughs> and then I don't know when we became friends. It just kind of happened, I guess. I think after we started playing with um, a full band is mm-hmm. when we started to be friends. Mm-hmm. We started hanging out more. They were like going to the, the cafeteria after <laughs> band practice. <laughs> well, and, and do you think that that is sort of a product of the Berkeley College of Music environment that that you could cuz in my experience I mean I've I've been in a few bands and all of my musical projects have come from existing friendships right or existing relationships with someone whereas you two could meet collaborate have uh chemistry together and say that you weren't friends I just think yeah, that's interesting right. <laughs> yeah I think that's definitely a thing that can happen at Berkeley for sure where like people get together and play music together but don't hang out in the same friend groups or don't really yeah. I mean they'll not, not acknowledge each other but like <laughs> I think there's know. a mindset of the work for hire at least that's what I had going into Berkeley was I'm gonna be a guitar player for people um and so that's kind of what I, I thought with you is like this is just my gig you know right. I didn't I didn't <laughs> yeah, even recognize nice. at the time yeah <laughs> it's like I'll just do it because I you know, but, uh, so it's all business it was business for me yeah, yeah. I was like oh it's a connection because Berkeley is really really big on pushing 
like make all these connections network as much as you can because once you graduate these people are gonna be your co-workers basically yeah uh, so that was my intention with it all <laughs> yeah. and so you found yourself uh when you arrived at berkeley thinking that you would end up sort of being a, a backing musician with yeah. many different artists and that would sort of open up doors for you to continue to you know play yeah. with those people more regularly or yeah you went you know. into berkeley wanting to be like a, a session player in nashville my my berkeley career path has been wild <laughs> uh yeah i entered berkeley well i had dreams of going to berkeley since i was like 15 um and i wanted to be yeah, a nashville session guitar player so i worked my whole life uh preparing myself for that route and then i got to berkeley and realized i wanted to do something different and i was kind of burnt out on practicing and all this stuff and eventually i found um production and music engineering um and composition actually and i found a degree that kind of fused all of those together and it went that way yeah. oh. <laughs> and india's on some other thing <laughs> <laughs> yeah i um well my background's really i didn't start music until high school at all I was a competitive gymnast and that was my whole life so it was like five hours a day five days a week my whole life and then I got injured um I tore two ligaments in my elbow and just had to stop um and I was kind of searching for ways to replace that um kind of gap in my life and i start I was always kind of saying but not nothing crazy and there's a school in New York called LaGuardia and it's a performing arts high school so I auditioned for a bunch of things I auditioned for dance and singing and acting um and I got in for a few of them and I don't know to this day what caused me to pick singing <laughs> like I just picked it and I just fell in love with it and I ended up studying classical singing and arias and um started studying music theory and composition there and just loved it. And I didn't even really hear of Berkeley until my senior year in college and applied and was lucky enough to get in. And kind of since then, my whole path has changed again. So I started, I wanted to do performance, vocal performance, and that has changed now. I'm doing composition, like classical composition. Um, so, yeah, here I am. <laughs> and I, I think that... One of the most interesting things about a story like that is, you know, thinking about how devastated you must have been with that injury. Obviously, mm -hmm. not just pain-wise. <laughs> First off, two ligaments here. I don't know where any of the ligaments are, but it must be awful. Doesn't um, sound fun. But also, I feel like she can deal with pain if she's giving herself like oh, little, yeah. like, <laughs> The sticky India... tattoos were later. No, you know. <laughs> India doesn't feel pain, I swear oh God. to God. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where that story comes from. Like, what, <laughs> how do you know that? <laughs> oh, just everything. like, Except her back. And uh -huh. she'll like bend over weird and then for the next couple of weeks be crying and will like buy tons of like icy hot. <laughs> that happened one time. Oh, it's so. happened way more than once. <laughs> and she'll be like, Claire, put this icy hot on my back. And I'm like, absolutely not. Never, <laughs> ever, ever. Not that close of friends. <laughs> no, yeah. no, it's not no, happening. <laughs> oh my God. Well, but what I was saying is, is it's interesting thinking about moments like that in your life that, you know, all of what you'd worked towards to that point had felt shattered and, and mm -hmm. you know, you, you, you didn't know what direction to go or where to turn. Mm -hmm. And you found something that has now turned into my whole know, life, like, yeah, which I, is crazy. Um, I understand you all came out with a single Harley um, back in November. But before we talk about that and sort of the future of your music, um, we want to know about Carnation, the EP you released also in 2018. Am I correct in that? Yeah. 
Yeah, and oh, perfect with with the first track. Yeah, being July. yeah, <laughs> we um, planned it. <laughs> yeah, um, tell tell us about the EP. Tell us about you know some of the inspiration behind it. Maybe if you have a, a favorite track that you want to share the story of, um, where the album artwork comes from, any of those things. Yeah, absolutely. we want to know all about it. Carnation. Um, well, first of all, it's named after the flower. If that wasn't obvious, <laughs> um, but it kind of represents like a rebirth. Um, and we took that at this stage in both of our lives. Well, when we wrote this album was that, uh, we had both come out of relationships at that time. So we wrote Carnation kind of about refining yourself. Um, two pretty bad relationships, (laughs) just like at the same time, kind of ending that. And it kind of all just lined up and we're just like, man, this sucks. Like, you know, so we have a lot of feelings. (laughs) Um, so I think kind of, we tried to shape it as, it's gonna sound dumb but a journey kind of through that um so every song is kind of about find a different part the way I think of it at least a different part of a breakup and a different part of a person um so July is like the really horrible heartbreaking part of you and also about finding yourself and like rediscovering feeling attractive and like throughout the whole thing kind of and by the end it's kind of a party (laughs) so (laughs) (laughs) so that's what I think about it and so did you find yourself, so you wrote all of those songs as you were both sort of around the same time going through those yeah. experiences and then you ended up releasing it in July. That's mm-hmm. that's really cool. Yeah, <laughs> it was pretty fun. Uh, what was that? We started writing it in September of, that would be 2017 now? Yeah, right, yeah. 2017. Yeah. <laughs> all the years jumble. Um, so I think it was kind of a fast process, but I feel like a lot of times when we write stuff, we'll go really, really fast and then suddenly realize we want to redo things. And then (laughs) we work quickly, but that's not always the best way to do it, I think. Uh, So we're trying now with our newer stuff to really just take the back seat and let things develop the way they are because the first draft of Carnation was completely different from what was released in in July, really. (laughs) Are there any, any secret tracks hidden away that no one else knows about there are oh, like there's 10. a ton of them yeah <laughs> like 10 tracks no one will ever hear <laughs> ever or even uh we released born again i think it was only up on soundcloud but that was going to be on carnation and then we released it as a single and it never made it on the album it was just mm-hmm. i think also musically we sounded a lot different from when we started mm-hmm. writing to july again our, our genre had completely developed into something new which was really cool, but we had to let that happen. So a lot of this older stuff was in a completely different realm. <laughs> I don't know my name Babe, I know I've said yours We've been like this before So catch it or watch it fall I don't know what's real reached uh, the much anticipated moment of every single podcast in which JD slams some knowledge on us about the dope craft beers that he gets mailed to his house that he trades with people <laughs> at beer shares. Who, who goes to beer share? I, I don't know. I want to go to one of these things. but Someday. Talk Come to, uh, talk to us about ready. some of the beer we're sampling. So we, we yes. go from, to, to set the stage, we're going from uh, a very, very simple, albeit craft, lager. To, to whatever this is. Yes. It's a this, wine bottle of beer. It is a wine <laughs> bottle of beer. I 
I was so stoked. I got home today and this was on my doorstep and a few of these other gyms that we have here. So have me a good too. buddy in Colorado, <laughs> Colorado, who uh, sent me, sent me these fucking great beers from Casey Brewing. I love Casey Brewing. They like make these awesome wild ales. Um, so that's their thing is Sours Wild Ales. Um, and each one is absolutely delicious. So I'm going to pop. And so do you want to do a quick um, overview of what a wild ale is? Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, Okay, so even if you're I not... No, what a wild ale is. And that's okay. But, <laughs> you know, catch it out. <laughs> like, and, one and, and I think that's what's fun about this. So, so India, even as someone who's not necessarily wildly into craft beer you've mm. you've probably at least heard of sours to this point i mean sours mm. seem to be making um a significant stride into the craft beer market mm. and a wild ale has a lot of similarities mm-hmm. but it's a pretty niche market at this mm-hmm. point Ooh, that was go. nice <laughs> that's that pop out so jd wine. what is a wild ale so yeah oh, so it's wild... fizz over oh no it's oh, no, oh, no, yeah. no 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 it's good <laughs> We are good. If only we were live streaming. I know. We have like smoke <laughs> popping off of this bottle. It's so, so great. Um, yeah, so a difference with the wild ales is the type of yeast that's involved. Um, so wild ales are, have, a, it's called saccharomyces. Um, it's a different type of yeast uh, that uh, sours normally have, brett uh, yeast, and this is added to fermentation. Um, and then we have different you know, different fruits that they throw in. This is called the cut. Um, it's a peach uh, that's ailed, a peach ale that's uh, aged in oak barrels and peaches. And yes, I'm very, very stoked to try I'm this. I've really never excited. had it. Yes. So let's pour this baby. Let's see how. India, I need comments on your entire <laughs> My mental reaction. Okay. <laughs> like, I need to know worry. every sense you're feeling <laughs> as you taste this beer. I could literally hear the chip crunches. <laughs> I just thought about that, and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> no stairway. Denied. So, uh, so JD, can you give me the, uh, what's what's the percentage on this guy? This guy is 6%. So, you know, Low pretty, by your standards. Yes, low by my standards <laughs> and compared to my, like, <laughs> typical double IPA, you know, 10% drinking. So, so yeah. uh as India is about to have her first ever wild ale, any any advice you'd like to give her? First of all, like, smell it. Tell me, tell me what you smell. That's a very unusual smell. Yeah, actually, it's, it's very weird. You want Claire's gonna smell it? it? Smells pretty funky, right? Yeah, it smells. Does it smell it like, smells socks? like a cider almost. Like too? I, I can't decide if it's beer or juice. Yeah, and yeah. That's kind of what wild ales feel like to me. Sometimes. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And sours. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're all like a different form of each other. So. Um, but yeah, the All smell right. and just get ready to pucker up. Okay, I'm ready. <laughs> All right, uh, cheers. cheers. Salute. Cheers. Oh, I'm reaching. Over. <laughs> oh, Dr. Pepper. <laughs> <laughs> All, right. All right. Let's see. Whoa. Her eyeballs got like yeah. wide Whoa. as fuck. <laughs> okay. Whoa. It's like one of those sour candies. That's my first reaction. It's like, you know those candies that... You put in your mouth, and all of a sudden it becomes. It starts sweet, and then the further you like go, like a combination it's... of a, a sour patch kid and a pop rock. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's the one. It's like that. It reminds me of that. And all these like fizzles are happening in your mouth. Mm-hmm. It's hitting like every portion of your tongue. Yeah, it's like a pop rock. Yeah. No, and I I think that's kind of what 
sour ales are achieving is mm. it it really like you can try a million IPAs and and you know what to expect despite there being different notes of it but right like I have not had I, I have not experienced so much variance as I mm. have with a sour or a wild because there's, it's just like you said it's hitting so many different taste buds yeah and you're not relying on certain hops to do the job for you this is like based off of you know this is aged in in oak barrels this is adding you know real you know real fruit to the mix you're adding real peaches in there you're not just like throwing in a puree mm. they're aging this they're making uh you know making a real you know a real drink that's like real and like alive in your mouth almost mm-hmm. at the same it's time. It's real. It is real. <laughs> it's the it's wild. Real deal, well, no, and I actually, I, I tasted it um, priming myself to try, you know, a sour wild, but I didn't even think about the peaches. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And once you think about the peaches, it kind of makes it better. It's in the smell. It yeah. makes it even better. For me, it's in the smell. <laughs> to be honest with you, I don't, I don't love peaches. I don't know. I, I, I'm not a big peach fan, but like this is lovely. Right. Yeah. And it's not like overpowering. Well, and I think that's the thing is, is whenever you add. <laughs> it's like a very, it's a very entertaining beverage. <laughs> you know what I, mean? I think India's starting to feel it and it's getting really funny from over here. <laughs> yes. That 6% uh, creeping up on you, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, no. And, and that's, you know, the purpose of the craft beer movement. I mean, we just poured this out of a what looks like a wine bottle and very much, you know, for those that uh, obviously can't see what we're drinking out of, these are very, very small sampler glasses. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's not something that you like, I don't want to down this whole bottle by myself, Yeah. but I want to pop it open and share it with people. Well, so that's why you're doing a podcast. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> so I have all these bottles that I am not going to tell them. I'm not going to solo dome. Um, solo dome. Solo dome is that a bottles and bottles. Now? <laughs> solo dome. I don't know, but I'm gonna use it. No, no we're, we're using it. Wanna watch me solo yeah, dome? So would love to chips. dome the ball myself. New, new band solo name. Solo, solo dome. dome. Solo. Yes, please. Yes, please. Well, I I do think that what is one of the most I don't want to say frustrating, but um, one of the qualities of beer with fruit or citrus and it is just like what you said they can tend to overpower right and i think that that's usually my aversion to like having a even like an ipa with like orange peel yeah you know i I don't i don't want that fruit flavor to dominate it right you know i think about have have i have any of you been to um cheeky monkey in fenway no but no seen a bunch (laughs) yeah it's just across from fenway park um you know it's it's not my favorite craft brewery sorry cheeky monkey uh, but I think one of the cooler things they do is they have this blueberry ale Ooh, yeah. that they actually throw blueberries into. Yum. Yeah. Probably with a little bit of like that like syrup that you get in like a jar of cherries or something. Yeah. So it, mm-hmm. But it changes the flavor radically, I think, right. even if it's just a garnish. But That's I'm not great. much for that. I don't know. But that will appeal to the masses as well, which like people like who are in Fenway, you know, especially people who don't really like beer, they're going to see, hey, this is a blueberry beer. It's a novelty to actually throw the, the, the blueberries in there. And they're going to sell. And Yeah, it's something I would buy. And I don't usually 
beer is not my beverage of choice ever. So yeah. if I heard blueberry, I'd be like, okay. Yeah. If yeah. I yeah. heard blueberry, <laughs> my money's going You got to throw some blues in there? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm yes. there. With a little syrup? Yes. <laughs> yeah, some bloobs at Cheeky Monkey. <laughs> Cheeky Monkey bloobs. India always loves that... Uh, it's like a pumpkin ale. Oh, um, don't give me away like this. <laughs> yeah. It's horrible. It's a harpoon that makes it, I think. But um, I mean, uh, in most breweries yeah, they, around fall, is gonna, yeah, they're right. going to make a pumpkin ale. I mean, right. and there are some really good ones. I mean, certainly it's made to right. be accessible, but I, I think there's some really good pumpkin ales out there. Yeah, My yeah. favorite is from St. Arnold in Texas. They make what's called a pumpkinator. Pumpkinator. Which is like a pumpkin <laughs> stout, and it is... Yep. fucking delicious every fall that's like the only pumpkin ale i will drink but <laughs> you yes. get it because they, they cover the rim in um, a right. oh you just sugar. like it sweet oh yeah, yeah. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's the only reason that's like a combination of a, <laughs> yes. like a margarita <laughs> yeah, and a yeah, beer. Yeah. <laughs> or a mango rita wait oh no you can't bring up mango rita i heard i heard there's a story about a mango rita <laughs> i indeed also heard there was a story oh, there's no. there are a lot of rumors I definitely, rumors. I definitely smell a pork product of some type. <laughs> <laughs> well, Claire, if you want to tell this mango Rita story, this is a great it's one. all on you. We uh, sometime last year we developed a love of the mangarita. <laughs> I developed um, a love of the mangarita. Yeah, and <laughs> really did. And you know, you can get those um, big cans of it. What is what's in there? Like a pint, maybe. Um, and we were doing a show a so far show actually in boston and after our set india has like two of these and uh <laughs> drinks two mangaritas and then suddenly um all the bands are done and the owner of the house is kind of like i love to do this after shows where we have everyone come back up for a freestyle jam type <laughs> thing and uh i don't know what was going on that night but everyone could freestyle rap yeah no everyone was like actually good at it the photographer killed it i was yeah, there man. i remember yeah. that yeah, photographer. The photographer. Yes. I, I find myself absolutely wasted like standing up there and everyone is killing it and they get to me and i'm like oh my and they're like yeah god. india, like, india I, it's your turn to freestyle rap and india was <laughs> and you just kind of looks around like huh and the only thing that comes to her in that moment is yep <laughs> that's it i yep. do a blank on like anything i ever not only can i not what? freestyle when i'm sober but when i'm drunk just nothing like and, absolutely no and idea there are just like no random hip-hop songs that pop just in nothing head. like absolutely nothing, nothing. i drew totally a complete blank. blank and all i could do was stand up there and go Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> like that. Uh-huh. And it went on for so long. Well, the best part is like, they would move on from you. And, and like, then that was weird. And then they'd back. come back. And then they'd be like, oh, like no. let's give her that, another chance. That was, that was weird, but she's going to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. Eight bars. <laughs> she'll figure it out. I think she'll pull something that goes back. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so we're very excited to uh, provide the redemption opportunity for India. Absolutely to- not. Here we go. Yeah, I'll beatbox. You got it right now. No, I'll be boxed. This is on the oh, way. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> no, wait. Yeah. Do you want? How about? How about you put your money where your mouth is? Oh, my Claire. So I'm a guitar player for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> As a recap, our first beer was the Cut Peach by Casey Brewing in Glenwood Springs, Colorado, which expanded our flavors into the sour and fruit beer realms. Next up, a 7.5% Clementine Frap IPA from Mystic Brewery. Mystic Brewery based in Chelsea. Chelsea, Massachusetts. My fair city where I live at the moment. So, Is it a city? Not a neighborhood? A town? It's, 
it's a town. I mean, town city. What's the Boston is weird about that shit, and so oh. is New York. Yeah, fix that, India. True. Like <laughs> in Chicago, every it's all Chicago and just different neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. Right here, it's you're in a different. We're like a few blocks away from a different city in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And right. we're going closer to Boston. Yeah. Yes. New Yorkers are very much like if you're from New York, you're from New York. But if you're outside the boroughs, like you're done. You're it's done. Just, like, wow. Dead. <laughs> By the way, speaking of this, like the whole Brookline, Alston, Brighton thing, it's all the same fucking thing. I don't understand like people who are very proper on what? all I that. I don't get it. Uh, is it like the size of the rats? Yeah. I think it's yeah, right. <laughs> like there's a certain size of rats in Brighton. There's a certain size of rats. So in Alston. would do, are, did did Alston win? Did I win? Did I do I have the biggest rats or do I, I want the smallest rats? Did I win? Uh, which one would you prefer to have the smallest rats or the biggest rats? I think the big. I think the strongest. strongest. Not because the biggest might be the fattest. Mm, I would like the strongest rats. The strongest Mm. rats. Mentally. Mentally strong rats. Band name. Band name option number two. Yes. What's Ninja Turtles? What's the. uh, Ninja Turtles? Where'd that come from? (laughs) The the rat, their leader. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember the name, but. Oh. uh, Master Splinter? What's his name? Master Splinter. Master Splinter. Yeah. Mate. He's mentally strong. He's physically strong. You yeah. Want, so like, you want Al- to be the master splinter of the rats. Alston, Massachusetts, <laughs> home of master splinter. All right. Uh, first of all, are you are you lactose intolerant? No. Okay. I'm not. Keep right. that away from Why me. Why did you just? Ask that? <laughs> I respect whatever is about to happen. This awesomeness <sighs> from Mystic. They just released this uh, this last weekend. It's called. So they have this series of IPAs called Frap IPAs, to where they add lactose to to the IPA. I've been seeing way more of those recently. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. as a lactose intolerant person, it kind of it scares me a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I, how would I know? <laughs> that would hurt me so bad. Let's stay away from that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yes. But there's like a whole new. Um, new generation of IPA called Milkshake IPAs, and this falls under the Milkshake okay. IPA. That that name makes me feel very weird. <laughs> but I'm interested, and I will drink it nonetheless. I believe in you. And this, So this is a Milkshake IPA? This is a Milkshake IPA. The hops in this are mosaic, um, and it's called a Clementine Frap IPA, so they Whoa. actually like threw in Clementines in there. Give me a lot of fruit tonight, JD. Yeah, it's like in dream school. <laughs> Does this count as like the, the apple a day keeps the doctor, like a frap IPA keeps the doctor <laughs> yes. away? I mean, or... I, I don't like to eat fruit, so I just drink it in my beer. <laughs> I actually really love fruit. But... I was going to say, that's, <laughs> that's a, probably not a bad solution to yeah. the problem. Cheers. Salute. Get your Dr. Pepper over here. Come on now. <laughs> yeah. Yes. All right. Oh. Ooh. Yeah? Oh. I love this. Yeah? Yeah, I really like this. You don't taste like it's not overly hoppy. It tastes like a fucking dreamsicle. Yeah. Like a creamsicle. I don't even think I like dreamsicles, and I like this. Yeah. It's like a, yeah. It's like when you don't like cherries, but you love cherry starburst. Right. Right. Correct. Oh. Yeah, it's a whole different iteration of that, and it's... Seven point five percent, I believe. Ah, climbing up the totem pole. We are seven point five percent of delicious 
alcohol in your <laughs> but no and you can't taste you can't taste the abv at all no i mean because it's you would it's totally masked you would never i mean you can but drink. i mean I, I think that is is that the lactose i mean it you can tell it it the like it has more body to it it does i mean i've i've tasted like double versions of you know the milkshake ipas where you can taste like some of the booze but in this you you can't taste any any booze at all mm-hmm. it's really interesting yeah I think this is my it's favorite sweet. so far. It's sweet. That's what I think I like yep. about it. That's why. I know we might as well put some put Closest something on the rim. Closest to a mangorito. Yeah. yeah, a mangorito. Wow, mangorito. Mangorito. A mango margarita burrito. Yeah. I was thinking mango Dorito. Dorito. Yeah. Oh, no, you know what? Because uh, you know what What a good flavor combination is, is the mango habanero. So oh, if you're yeah. going to be a Dorito, it's a mango oh. habanero Dorito. That, okay. I would buy that instantly <laughs> that ever comes out do you think the doritos like taco from taco bell didn't come up in something just like this i, I think it definitely yeah. did those yeah. ideas came up because Maybe people were, were drinking something like that yeah you know <laughs> you're welcome doritos not a sponsor <laughs> yeah <laughs> until you sponsor us Hop on do we want train. sponsors <laughs> Doritos, call us immediately. <laughs> I guess we could be cleansing our palate with mango habanero Doritos. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think now would be a good time to sort of dive into your influences and your creative styles and how those have come together to where you are now. So um, my first question is actually for you, India. So yes. I think that... <clears throat> the smile. <laughs> I think that one of the most interesting qualities of your voice is that you have the ability from, you know, my perspective of not only listening to your music, but being lucky enough to see you perform live that you can go from such a controlled, smooth, I, I guess, almost ultra personal tone with mm-hmm. your voice, you know, you, you and you can tell that you've studied voice mm-hmm. and, and you can transition so quickly to this like raw controlled, but, but really like, out there mm-hmm. top of your range notes where mm-hmm. it it just sounds so personal mm. and i think that you've you well, thank you <laughs> you show that off especially in july mm-hmm. but also in don't stop mm. i noticed mm-hmm. and it's this top of your range where your voice breaks and it's just mm-hmm. this really interesting element to your artwork and your mm-hmm. style and I guess I, I want to hear a little bit more about where your inspirations come from mm-hmm. in vocals and, and sort of when you build your melodies, mm-hmm. where do you take inspiration from and how do you, how does your process go? Mm-hmm. Um, I, my biggest inspiration as a singer is Judy Garland, actually. Um, it's just <laughs> wow. like a really... I'm sorry, my jaw just dropped. That's amazing. <laughs> I... Um, I mean, I listen to a lot of singers and I admire them, but Judy Garland has always been my, like, someone I admire so much for exactly that quality. She has this beautiful kind of smoothness to her voice and then can take you right away to this really crazy, like, top of her range, but, like, breaks your heart kind of sound. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's something I've always wanted to do and, like, have studied and listened to her. Um, And whenever I kind of feel lost in anything, I kind of listen to her because she's just insanely talented and one of the most emotional singers I've heard and I think in any in any project that I've started singing on um I think it I want it to be emotional 
um, if that makes sense. I don't know. Um, that's what I strive for. So even if it is like quiet and smooth and personal or very loud and out there and my voice breaking, I, that's what I want. Um, and I didn't know my voice could do that at all. Like I was always very much like sitting in that lower range, um, until we started writing July and Claire was like, just do it, like (laughs) see what happens. And kind of that came out and it felt so fucking good. And I was like, all right, we're going to do this all the time now. gorgeous i've i've heard nothing like it and and i'll say for anyone that's going to listen to july which we'll play a little bit now I've never heard anyone do that specifically. Mm-hmm. Maybe I haven't listened to enough Judy Garland, but you should. <laughs> but truly, when I hear that song, it's it's just so touching to me. And I think mm-hmm. what's fantastic about it and, and just so impressive is that I know that you could do that live too. Yeah. You know, and that's one of the, the biggest it. things too. You know, mm-hmm. like you can hear a good production and and someone hitting that perfect yeah. note. Mm-hmm. But I've heard you sing that song three four times mm. by this point and you fucking kill it oh yes. thanks so i i, I think you, that if that's the style you're going for then you've mm. absolutely absolutely succeeded and that's what i think everyone who's listening should hone in on mm. you know when when thinking about your influences specifically mm-hmm. yeah well it's just that part just like it it's the part i love about music like hitting that breaking point where you're just like fuck yes like let's go <laughs> like it there. scared the shit out of me while i was recording it i know uh, because we had done a sound check and it, it was all good and i had uh the preamp set right and then suddenly india just like and she didn't back up from the mic the first time she did it so it was just like this blast of a scream and you, were, basically. you were probably wearing some headphones and i yeah, actually was... i had monitors which, oh, no. <laughs> which was the worst i was like swear to god i fell back in my chair but uh after that i was like when you sing this please stand like five feet away so she did and and it's amazing how it turned out but yeah it, it was incredible the first time i heard that come out too and that that produced chorus is it a different take each time or did they loop your best one no, no it's, that's it's different one each time is it it's no it's different each time yeah. Oh, yeah uh you went through the whole song and towards the very end the her voice started to loosen up even more mm. um so it uh, that's my favorite part of the song actually is how each chorus gets a little more breaky and raspy at each mm. one and then the last one is just like so not even just the, a, a looped version of one specific chorus each chorus was different each too. chorus is different that's yeah. awesome you don't you don't see that that much where did you record it we did it uh down in at berkeley and then we also um did the record company and all this stuff and so. the wellspring oh. shout the out wellspring. to the record company. Yeah, yeah. yeah we really love the record company we do most of our stuff there actually it's uh it's really great in the local boston community because it's so affordable which is really important because we don't have any money <laughs> Not, no dollars yes. well you know we, we should talk about them a little more in our in this podcast because i think the record company is one of the most beautiful pieces of the boston yeah. music I guess infrastructure because right. it's it's a nonprofit recording studio that offers very affordable rates to mm-hmm. musicians and it's if you don't know the record company check them out uh, we'll dive a little bit more into the Boston music scene in a bit but do you want to yeah so Claire as far as your influences go yes you know, definitely yeah. 
a little bit more gritty you know, <laughs> growing up, you know, in dive bars, you know, checking mm -hmm. out music, especially with your music style. What? Tell me about your influences. Yeah. Uh, so my musical background actually comes from my dad and my older, well, my oldest brother, John. Um, my dad's a guitar player and he, he spent all of his college years and high school years actually playing in bands and he still plays today and I play with him all the time. But um, he was big into kind of country western, like old rock and rolls type stuff. Um, my older brother was into rock, and it's actually my older brother's albums I found in my house. And <laughs> he had uh, Zeppelin, Van Halen, Black Sabbath. So when I was really young, that's what I gravitated towards, um, which was really weird. Because <laughs> <laughs> I remember being six and taking these Zeppelin records okay. and being like, whoa. Angry six-year-old. <laughs> yeah, and I loved Black Sabbath. And I think that's so weird to have like a six-year-old daughter that's listening to like war pigs um, <laughs> and songs about destruction and, you know, <laughs> worlds being destroyed. Um, <laughs> but I loved it. And from there, I actually joined the School of Rock, which is a nationwide program, but I joined it in the Twin Cities. and Not just a movie. It's not just a movie, but if you think about the movie and the kind of music they play in there, uh, it's similar to it. It's actually like an after-school program where you get together with other kids and form bands, and you get like assigned songs, and you play them all, and then after like three months, you go play a, a show at yeah. like a venue, you know? and um, Such a great thing for kids. Honestly, yeah, it was huge for me. you play Lollapalooza? Like... Through it, yeah, they have oh, different no kids. No yeah. yeah, I played. I might have seen you play. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see School of Rock at Kids of? I have seen School of Rock yeah. at Kids of Palooza. Yeah, I was there. Um, I've I think been to when six Lollapalooza. So I remember seeing it. Yeah. Oh, uh, we also did um, Rib Fest in in oh, uh, yeah. Illinois too, and yeah. that was was really crazy because that was a huge crowd, and that was uh, that was kind of a life changing moment. But. Um, yeah, that's that's really where my uh, wow. <laughs> where all my music comes. I'm doing from. the math in my that. head. I think I've seen you before. <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> you probably wouldn't have recognized me. I had long hair. I always wore like a blazer and like red pants. The at red the time. pants. The iconic red skinny jeans. Which I respect oh, that because yeah. I think Please. okay. What is uh what is the article of clothing that each of you wore the most when you were younger? So I appreciate the red skinny jeans because for me it was a pair of yellow skinny no. jeans no oh fucking oh. fucking bright yellow skin i was i have a chili peppers tattoo come on i was in a funk band oh my like, god fuck yeah oh my i was wearing god. yellow skinny jeans so i had two i had neon green skinny jeans that was one and then i also had a pink bandana that i wore around my <laughs> neck almost every day in middle school and part of high school like it was so, and I had braces that matched my. Oh, of pants. course, yeah, the, the the rubber bands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I had I want them to be. Yes, I want a bright color. Crisscross. So <laughs> what what were your favorite color of rubber bands? I did like hot pink a few times. I did black once, like that was cool. Angsty. <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. super yeah. angsty. I had red for a while, and looking back, what a gross idea. You know, like. <laughs> <laughs> One time I did yellow, oh, which that's was worse, that's yeah. even worse, I think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yellow is going to be a good choice. Let's do that. But perhaps yellow would offset, like, make it more clear how white your teeth are. It's a, it's a good True. way to offset that so. your teeth yeah, are not yellow. So. You know? <laughs> JD, what was your article of clothing before we talk a little bit more about Claire's uh, um, musical I style? Was, so, growing up in West Texas, I was always a pearl snap guy. So, I was always wearing multiple pearl snaps. <laughs> JD, I don't know what that is. Yeah, what is a <laughs> what? pearl snap? Seriously? Thank you, Claire. I don't know. Yes. I gotta. I think I know what a pearl snap. No fucking clue. It 
<laughs> Holy shit. Is it a snapback made of pearls? It is. Like a snapback baseball cap. That would be amazing, though. We should make one of You're those. You're right. <laughs> no, it's so it's a like a a shirt. Instead of the actual buttons, there are snaps, and they're yeah. made of pearls. Oh, so it's pearl snap. I didn't know there was a name to that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I think I had a shirt like that. Yeah, when I was like, definitely. Oh, yeah, I think I had a pearl Which snap. Which is great, because you can, like, the easy access, just yeah, like, boom. Yeah. <laughs> Rip them off. Yeah. <laughs> the hell were you doing in Texas? Yeah. <laughs> There are a lot of lot of backstories to <laughs> all that. So we're talking about the blue instead of my uh, instead of your debaucherous history in debauch- Texas. Yeah, oh. I mean, um, Claire. So we were just talking about a little bit of your musical influences, your guitar style. Would you like to continue? Was there for more? sure? Yeah. Um, so again, grew up playing a lot of rock and blues. Uh, Indy always makes fun of me because I was a big Santana fan. <laughs> but I stand by it. I love Santana and I still do. Amazing guitar player. Yeah. <laughs> like one of the best ever. And he can sing through his guitar, which, yes. you know, exactly. there's, there's only a certain number of musicians that really can do it. And it always spoke to me. I loved it. Um, and then when I was wanting to go to Berkeley, I decided to learn a lot of jazz. And it never really, jazz never really totally clicked with me, which I think was what eventually got me back into kind of the more rock alternative styles is that. I was trying to do something that wasn't really me. And I I think with um, certain types of music, you like have this vocabulary um, and I just wasn't hearing it. I just wasn't hearing the jazz vocabulary. Like even when I'd solo or play, I just, it's like it wasn't coming to me. Whereas in other styles, I, I could feel it and it, I didn't have to think about it. As far, I have a question as far as like you, you mentioned country western. What yeah. were the influences there? Were you like Waylon Jennings? Were you yeah, Roy Nelson? Um, my dad's a big Eagles fan. Um, okay. He loves, oh, what is it? Kind of Three Dog Night. Um, so or more like classic rock. A little classic rock, little but then bruising. John Prine, you yes. know. Um, Love John Prine Steve so much. Goodman. He's a Steve Goodman Patsy. fan. Patsy Cline. Yeah. Yes. Um, what, what else am I thinking? Oh, Marshall Tucker is the big one I'm thinking. Okay. Uh, yeah. And I love Marshall Tucker. It's kind of like this cowboy rock. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, it's funny. He loves it. My uncle also loves Marshall Tucker just as much. So whenever we all get together, like at Christmas, it's just a big jam between <laughs> all of us. And we play this weird cowboy music. And it's, it's amazing. Well, sounds like your family, like you guys get together and you guys, you guys yeah, jam Yeah, that's out. what You're we always- do. So it was, uh, it's funny. I have three older siblings and none of them became musicians. And then I was the youngest and suddenly I just, yeah, I loved it. And uh, music has been in on my dad's side of the family, like, and almost every kid, I would say, uh, my aunts were like piano players, flute players, uh, my uncle plays guitar, and then my dad was probably the most active of them all in the music scene, but... But you're also related to Schoenberg. So. <laughs> but that's through my mom's side, yeah. <laughs> my mom's maiden name is actually Schoenberg, so they're trying to trace the connection, but it's hard to do. <laughs> but he looks a lot like my grandpa did. <laughs> <laughs> so... What are your thoughts on the Boston music scene, especially like, I don't know if you have any experience within the Brooklyn music scene or the St. Paul, Minnesota uh, music scene, but what are your thoughts on Boston, in, in, especially in comparison to those <laughs> two? Boston was real unique, um, just in the way that I think being at Berkeley makes it a lot different than most music scenes, uh, because you're suddenly surrounded in an area that's just full of musicians your age that are all trying just as hard as you to make it and that was new to me um the twin cities have a has a really strong music scene and people really support local arts um 
in any form. And there was a lot of opportunities to play out there, a lot of bands to play with. Um, and I've found that it's been harder to find places to play here just because of the competition uh, that I think Berkeley really brings around. So it's very unique in that way. Mm-hmm. And the New York music scene is just massive. Like there's just so much variety um, in what people do. You can really find any genre. Um, and I wasn't able to explore it as much when I was younger because a lot of it is 21 plus and everything. But as I've aged, <laughs> um, I've been <laughs> able <laughs> I've been able to see a lot more. And there's just as you talk so to the guy who has gray beard over here. <laughs> <laughs> but um, New York has a, like a very very strong electronic music scene that I've really enjoyed. Um, but the Boston music scene um, is very interesting in the sense that you wouldn't know where to find it if you weren't in it already at least I wouldn't um I think the richest part of the Boston music scene is kind of like the underground the basement shows um and that's where you really find this crazy talent that exists in the city um just based on Berkeley students we've played with and watched and then also like Northeastern and all these other college-age students who just are insanely talented songwriters and performers um it's yeah, really, I think, yeah, it's really interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Underground um, it, at these house shows and, and basements is actually really where we kind of formed. That's where we honed our, our sound uh, <laughs> because we were really struggling with, with what sound to have. And um, that was a good place where we could really just do whatever we wanted and see how people responded. Because we've been to some weird house shows where <laughs> like... Anything from free jazz to electronic music Mm -hmm. and anything goes at these things, which I think is really, really cool because you can just experiment as much as you want. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and so, Claire, you mentioned that you felt a a pretty high sense of competition for performing. Mm -hmm. Um, This is something that we've talked about with with various guests on this podcast, but I, I think that I'm curious to get your take on whether or not you think that perhaps this is uh, why house shows and these shows that you were talking about experimenting your sound with are so prevalent. But in general, do you think that there is a lack of opportunity in the Boston music scene? Or do you think that it's truly that there's just that many artists and the spaces are living up to how many people do want to go to shows and that's as much capacity or almost if you want to put it in the words of demand that there is from music fans in Boston. So overarching, would you, is it more an issue of not enough spaces or too many artists or, or what, what is it for you? Yeah, it's a really, that's a really interesting, interesting question. Actually. Um, I think I relate it back to my experience in the twin cities where we have tons of venues where when you're just starting out, they want you to come play. They want to hear local music and, and new material. Whereas I've, I've always felt in Boston, they want almost a little more catered to tourism at some places. But uh, I feel like there aren't as many venues where when you're just starting out, you don't have that following. You're not going to fill a room to start out in that um, setting because it's it's a risk for a business, I, I would suppose, to you know have a new band up here with no released material, play God knows what. <laughs> you know? True. Um, but I've always felt in Minneapolis, uh, they give you that chance to get your foot in the door, which is really important. I think we struggled a lot with that when we were starting out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think really where we started out was like the Middle East corner space, you know, which was 
I think it was like a midnight slot or something. Mm-hmm. Like, we just really struggled to find places to play when we were first starting out. And I think that's where like the basement scene comes in where you were playing with your friends from school or your colleagues from school, you know, um, where really anything kind of goes, which is always really interesting to see. Um, and then from my experiences from those basement shows, like different scenes kind of form and those scenes come up together and play like the bigger venues. Like we played great Scott, yeah. um, last semester. Um, and we kind of got that through the people we've played shows with in basements, you know, and all these people are kind of doing things in groups, which is really an interesting idea. Yeah. I think the other big thing is that, uh, Boston has a lot of venues if you're playing cover songs. Um, and so it's the original music part that can be tricky, (laughs) you know, selling that again, because, you know, if you have a a bar and you have a cover band come in, it's going to be fun and you can kind of expect what is going to happen. But when you have original music and suddenly your audience is trying to have dinner and is listening to something that they have, you know, they've never heard before, it it makes the atmosphere way different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and at that point it comes into play that Boston is a, is a transient city in many ways because while perhaps your plan is to stay in Boston after you graduate, there's no assumption that that's the plan. And <laughs> and I think that uh, perhaps it's even more of a challenge because not only are maybe a lot of um, fans or colleagues of yours that, that would be fans or, or want to support your music are students. Maybe they can't afford a ticket or aren't 21 yeah. for a venue. Like maybe they're moving right when they graduate too. So your, your fans are, are, are not, consistent and sticking with you for a long time so there's probably that element for perhaps bands or artists who graduate and then do stay here yeah i think i think that's a huge point because a lot of these bands too we were playing with and we were able to book bills with have graduated now Mm -hmm. (laughs) and uh, that happened really this year now that we're in our senior year we noticed a complete like India calls it the generation change. <laughs> I don't know if you'd consider it that, but uh, it feels that way where suddenly it's like there are all these new bands that we haven't heard of that are now playing these shows. And we're like, wait, where are the bands we used to gig with? Where mm-hmm. we? <laughs> Which is not a bad thing per se because we're getting to hear all this new stuff. Um, but just in terms of like those little cohorts and groups, yeah. um, those are all kind of like break up year to year, which has been... It's so interesting the way yeah. that happens. Mm-hmm. So Claire, <laughs> you know what's coming. I have to, I have to directly quote your bio bio that I got. Uh, this one was either from your Facebook or your website. I'm not sure. Uh, you uh, referred to yourself as fueled by the troubles of being a young gay in the Midwest, which I love yeah. so much. So my question is, um, how do you feel about the Boston music scene in terms of inclusivity. Do you feel that mm. uh, it is one that is celebrating the LGBTQ community? Do you think it's one that um, goes out of its way to to support, uh, perhaps in a in a society that doesn't support yeah. it as much as it as it should? Um, and how do you feel it could get better? Yeah, good questions. Uh, I I love Boston for its uh, acceptance. And that was actually (laughs) where I really was able to be myself for the first time, where I really came to terms with who I was and how I wanted to to be. Um, I think in in high school and whatnot, it was very hard to be open. I was really, really scared to. And I kind of made this promise to myself when I went to college that I could finally 
be me in any way that I wanted that to be. Um, so actually at Berkeley, the first thing I did was join the LGBTQ plus uh, club and the Women's uh, Musicians Network. And that's where I met like my best friends. And suddenly people were using all these uh, terms associated with the community. I didn't even know. I was like, what are you guys talking about? You know, I didn't know. <laughs> what does this mean? Yeah. And I would like go home and Google it because I'm like, what on earth are they, you know, what are, what are they saying? Um, and that was huge for me to finally have a, a group of people that could teach me about my own community because I had never had a community before I came to Boston. Um, and so in the art scene, I think it's huge. And we play a lot with a lot of queer bands. And I think the support for queer musicians and like from queer artists to queer artists is huge here. It's amazing. And we, it, it's been really like a, an honor. And I'm really, I feel really blessed to be able to gig with these musicians. Uh, and Massachusetts in general is a, is a wonderful place to be gay. <laughs> I do have to say, you know, people are just really cool about it. It's uh, it's surprising, you know. <laughs> There's a lot of liberals here, and and I love it for that reason. <laughs> no, so like coming from you know different spots all over the U.S., like moving here, it's pretty amazing, like to see. As you said, there are so many, you know, queer artists and, yeah, you know, absolutely. everyone that I like meet is like so supportive of each other. And I think that that's, you yeah. know, but between that and like you guys talking about the the basement scene and how you guys would support each other, like that's how you got your great Scott gig. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I feel like, you know, what I'm hearing is the music scene as a whole in Boston is very supportive of each other. Yeah. Would you? I would say, yeah, in general, I don't think we've really had a bad experience here gigging with people. Um, everyone's just really excited and inspired by each other. And uh, it's been huge because it's helped us grow so much. Yeah. And it's awesome to be, be in a place where you can be you. Exactly. And you feel safe to be you. And you can. You know. And it even feels like people here are excited to hear those messages. Yeah. Mm. And that's been really, really great, especially for this new album we're writing. I think it explores a lot about identity. Um, coming to terms with yourself and identity through relationships and knowing that we have a, a place to play this and yeah. people that will actually want to hear it that aren't going to be like, turn off that, you know, like yeah. you're going to turn my kid gay, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, in November you released Harley, which I, uh, yes. is it safe to assume that is the single or at least the yeah, first release single, that yeah. will be on that, that upcoming release. Can, do you want to tell us a little bit about what to expect with that? Um, we've really tried to... I mean, from where we started as a band and like the sound we had to where we are now is so vastly different. So I think what we've tried to focus on now, um, especially is like having a heavily, a heavy emphasis on lyrics and having those like cutting messages that just come through in the sound, um, having kind of a very playing with form of songs also is something we're working on. Um, yeah, like Harley, uh, I think took, well, okay, so back up on Carnation, I felt like we had this big tear between do we want to incorporate more electronic elements in our production or mm. go a more like alternative indie route. And the whole time Almost we were kind of flipping, too. yeah, we were flipping back and forth. We didn't quite know what we wanted to do. And so I think on this album and with Harley, we've kind of found the direction where like we want to go more indie rock, more alternative. And Harley was like kind of that first statement. Um and also, it's pretty honest in the in the lyrics about this hot waitress in Brooklyn and how this person makes you feel, and you got me so revved up, you know. Um, 
So we're just, we're really excited about that to have something that's just, we want it to be so loud that you can't really not listen to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we actually had a couple of reviews of, of Carnation and, you know, people were like, yeah, it's good, but you know, you know, it, it's all right. And when you hear that sort of all right, they, I think there's really yeah, nothing Yeah, like there's worse. nothing hey, worse than being like, listening, it's... Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing worse than hearing something's good, you know? I, I think yeah. especially that was like a hard hit for us. Like, oh, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't make a statement. It didn't make anyone feel any certain type of way. And I think with this album, we're trying to really push that away. We're mm. like, it's not good. But it's gonna be like you may love it you may hate it but you're gonna have to have a feeling <laughs> you're gonna have to have like a strong opinion yeah, yeah. yeah I like that. do you feel like so during carnation you were both like in relationships just got out of relationships at a certain point do you feel like you're in a completely different space taking inspiration from different parts of your life yeah, yeah completely absolutely. different areas absolutely. even the material i feel like Carnation um, and even before Carnation was all very focused on love and relationships and heartache. And this is completely new top, like completely new material, new areas of our lives that we're thinking about. I know we're talking a lot about even like gender identity, a lot about Mm. um, like being broke (laughs) and graduating college, like just totally different. And the fear. Uh, I was talking to someone the other day, actually, that brought up the whole you're about to graduate college, what next? And I feel like a lot of people our age right now are really struggling with that, with like, I have no leads, I have no money, and I have uh, a fuck ton of student loans to because pay back. Of, of course, it's assumed that at, you know, age 23, 24, you're just going to have it all figured out because you have right, yeah, yeah. figure the job line. Same way you're supposed to know what major you're supposed to have to know what industry you're going to work in for right. the rest of your life. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of assumptions that we create in our society that right. put pressure you know so i think being 21 um which isn't that old it's just like (laughs) but but legal to drink legal to drink may we add that um it it's a very weird time um and you feel very lost at least i do um and not in a bad way just like my whole life is ahead of me and i have absolutely no idea what's going to happen and that's a very different place than I was in even just a year ago. You a year know? ago being like, my heart hurts. And now we're like, what am I going to eat? You know, like, <laughs> I have $2. What can I buy today? Chocolate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we could talk all night. We, we could do this forever. Uh, but unfortunately, we cannot. Um, Claire, India, thank you so much for taking your time to speak thank with us. So thank you so much for having us and uh, for all the beer. Yes. <laughs> and Claire, oh, it's over here. Where's this fucking doctor? That Holy is so shit. not Gosh. done. I mean, you've you've made work. Like you made progress. She maybe had a. I think you had a leader. She had a leader of Dr. Pepper. Or by JD standards, thinking this was a three liter, you had one and a half liter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. uh, either way, not enough. Yeah, <laughs> not enough. Keep gotta, going. Gotta finish it. Our theme song is by Tim Hall, and our logo is designed by Heidi Geist. Audio production and all music compositions, excluding those by Claire Altendahl and India Shore, are by myself, Matt Brooks. Check back in on Monday, July 1st for our conversation with vocalist and lover of all things vintage, Vicuency.